0: Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic Podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if
1: you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody. It's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic Podcast. As always, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan. But first, I've got to shout out our longtime sponsor, our friends Radar Toys right here in Eugene. You can go to RadarToys.com and get free shipping in the U.S., as well as save an additional 10% with the code BATFANPOD. You can support our show directly by going to our Instagram at BATFANADDICT and clicking the link on our bio, or simply go to patreon.com slash BATFANADDICT. Now, today we are talking about another of my very favorite titles. I'll put it right next to Dark Prince Charming. This is a Black Label series that I love, and I will go to great lengths to convince my co-host why I love Stepan Sejic's Harleen. All right, this is Harleen, 2019, written and illustrated by Stepan Sejic. And excuse me if I did mispronounce that. I looked up a couple different versions of of how people are saying it, and I DM'd him, but (laughs) unlike Katana Collins, I did not get the reply. So, uh, lettered by Gabriella Downey, and end of credits. Again, we have a very self-contained, creator-driven project. Uh, First of all, I want to shout out our first Patreon subscriber, Austin Smith. He's been a a supporter of the show for a long long time and uh, if you guys don't follow us on on Instagram we did just start the Patreon as a way to keep from adding you know commercials and shit you have to skip through on the podcast so if you want to support uh, just go to patreon.com slash batfanaddict or it's in the link in my bio on Instagram at batfanaddict
2: I want to say thank you Austin I don't <laughs>
0: No, I thought about it, but then inevitably when we have thousands and thousands of Patreon supporters, it would take too long to thank them all, so I don't want to start that. <laughs> That's true. That's a realistic You say precedent. it's
1: bad precedent because the show is so good that inevitably yeah. this is going to get out of hand.
0: Truly, yeah.
1: Well, initial thoughts on Harleen.
2: My initial thoughts are I don't believe I've ever taken such lengthy notes on something. And it did not really play
0: out exactly like I thought that it might. Yeah, a little part of me resented more Joker shit, (laughs) but it's really good. I I love this design. This is another one of those like Disney style artists that I really really like. Yeah, just the overall like character designs and the way the world looks.
1: Yeah, I can see at least
2: between Dark Prince Charming and this our more recent Joker stuff has been like a good variation from the normal so yeah. visually there's that anyways
1: totally and I, I wasn't even thinking of it on those terms I was just thinking like some of my favorite stuff is Harley stuff and I want to kind of shift focus into that I, I wasn't even really thinking about like oh yeah that that does bring in more Joker but we've hardly done Joker this season so Com- I need some
2: slick haired Jokers that's what I do in my life
1: All right, well, let's dig into it. Book one opens with a nightmare, and she remarks that this is unique because her tormentor in these nightmares is usually the Joker, but this time the tormentor is this giant man bat and this flock, this angry army of onlooking bats that are calling for blood, and Joker turns out to be the victim. She uh, steps in, you know, she's wearing her lab coat like this is my patient get the fuck out of here. And the bat creature says be it on your hands then doctor. And she remarks there that, you know, he smiles graciously and she makes the biggest mistake by returning that smile and that this story has all the classic romance tropes, but I promise this is not that kind of story where the the girl finds the humanity in the monster and the, tames the beast. This is the story where she dances with the devil and he takes her to hell. So that's kind of the setup for this story.
0: It still very much felt like a, a romance book to me. For sure, yeah. Because this is like the prettiest Joker, yeah. even compared to the Joker in full drag. <laughs> <What> is
1: <this? laughs> <laughs>
0: still the prettiest joker you
1: did like that one though
0: I did like that one but I'm more <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not even going to finish the joke I was about to say so
1: okay.
2: yeah this joker is super cute but, uh, <laughs> the, the majority of this ended up with some deviations like the two face stuff this more or less felt like a romance novel to me the entire time
1: I thought Ben would like it for that because he's always saying like I could use a little more romance
2: I did. Only between Catwoman and Batman.
0: Yeah, that's why I was torn. Or give me like Batman and Harley or something, something weird and out of left field. I just, I don't like the Joker. I mean, I like I like what he brings to Batman. You do I like too. I just got too much of him. But the fact that this one is so pretty, I like because if he was like really fucking ugly, it's like why would you fall for any of this shit? It's like because he's
2: beautiful. Well, that that was actually one of my back end thoughts. Like. I wrote all this crap, and then I'm am taking a shower, and I'm like still thinking of the stuff. beautiful. Eyes. Oh, yeah, I oh, yeah, dear. yeah. I couldn't get his face. You're like, <laughs> right?
1: You're soaping yourself up, uh, and you're thinking about him.
2: Yeah, yeah, making my skin all white and thinking about his white skin. But I was thinking that, in like a practical way, I only see this scenario that they're throwing out. E- even this is like a more detailed version of it. But even the whole harley's existence and harley falling for the joker only works to me if he is like at ugliest batman the animated series like no gal anyways in her right mind is falling for heath ledger's joker so it, it can't like work in all scenarios but then i could say that she's not in her right mind but at this point she's more on that side of the line anyway so she's professional and intelligent and and then she starts a slippery slope but it's hard to see her falling for like capullo's incarnation of a yeah. joke or something <laughs> like it doesn't work visually in every scenario well definitely not in the way
0: that it's presented in this and the way it seems to be presented generally where it's like immediately strikingly love at first sight because i mean like yeah, like less attractive or even ugly people can still be like charismatically magnetic and draw people to them and get that kind of thing, but the way it always is with them is
1: like a love at first sight kind of thing and I don't think that's true. I think that I think she has magnetic attraction to him as soon
0: as there's that conflict that we're about to come across in the
2: street.
1: Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were saying like in general like other versions of the character.
2: Well, I think Nicholson can pull it off, but I just think that those versions of the Joker that we've seen, even when we were watching the Harley cartoon recently, I was like, why does she like this dude? He's an old man. But granted, there's many gold digger women who are attracted to older fellows or just in general, so I try to keep that in mind, but uh, he's like sadistic and abusive and then ugly and old. Like, I don't, I'm not <laughs> quite going this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Everything that I want in a man.
1: Now, how familiar are you guys with Mad Love? Not. I've
0: never read it. Not at all. Refresh, <laughs> it, right.
2: Is I've that a James read. Bond movie?
1: Jesus Christ. Okay.
0: That's that burger. Red Robin.
1: Who's fucking clinking marbles together? What's happening right now? That, I'm playing with my headphones. I'm sorry. Stop it. So, um... No, Mad Mad Love Love. is the origin story from the animated series. It was an episode on the new Batman adventures. And a couple years before that, Harley's first book, I mean, it was still, it was like Batman, Mad Love or something like that. But yeah, they, they tell her her origin story. It's basically that Joker is her patient and manipulates her and she falls for him and blah, blah, blah. And so this is a retelling of that. But like you're saying, a lot of these versions, you watch it and you're like, but how really, you know? And so what this story does, and the reason it really struck me, was not just from the amazing artwork, but the way that it fully humanizes her. I just find her, at times very relatable. I'm always like rooting for her. You're really seeing how it's not just like through a few sessions, she's twisted up into falling in love with this dude. It's like a lot of circumstances throughout years of her life lead to these little mistakes. And then he takes advantage of that. I find that a way more compelling and believable version of this character
2: than just being mentally seduced by this maniac.
1: Yeah, I mean and if you think about the animated series cramming all this into a twenty minute episode would be impossible, or even the one shot that they did. It's the blueprint for everything, but this being like a premium format, black label, mini series, you can just go so much deeper again for me it's always about the realness you know when they can you know i don't care about the as much of the fantasy elements of the batman stories but when you can go into the psychology of it you know and why batman's got these deep two personalities and you know all this trauma and shit like that's my favorite stuff and so this is just like holy shit wow i can't believe this exists you know you take the silliest character you know, make focus isn't in this book. Most real, <laughs> for sure. Yeah,
0: Mad Hatter gets a little time in there. Yeah. Okay. Bird is not in this book.
1: <laughs> All right. So after the nightmare, we cut to a young Doctor Quinzel interviewing a prisoner who has committed war crimes. He talks about his "no civilians" rule that he and his partner had, and how he motions for his. His partner, hey, go talk to that girl over there. She's looking at you, you know, and she, like, gets close to him and slits his throat out of nowhere, and he he breaks his no civilians rule, and he kills her, and then talks about all of this, like, gotta get them before they get you, and it, like, warped his perception, right? Then it cuts to two years later. She's using this case as the basis for her thesis of saying, like, this fight or flight instinct that we have is sort of like a mental immune system. And what if you are experiencing this state of mind that overrides your empathy and your normal human feelings for a long period of time? What does that do to somebody? you know and and could it create a sort of mental autoimmune disease and destroy the capacity for empathy? You know, And she's stating all these things to, these potential donors, I guess, and is just like a fish out of water up there. Like, no one's listening to me. This is fucking terrible. You know, she's just like hating herself through the whole thing. Yeah, the self-sabotage
2: that she talks about later. It's not going as bad as she thinks it is, but because
1: she thinks it is, she's starting to falter. Yeah, like she's killing it, and then once she starts being too aware of the audience, starts really second-guessing herself, and then kind of self-fulfills that... Downward spiral. You're still doing the marble thing. This... Are you playing Hungry Hungry Hippos?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny because what she's pitching seems—it seems like it makes sense. It seems like the kind of concept that wouldn't need to have a lot of proof behind it, or doesn't seem all that revolutionary. Like, yeah, people are molded by their environment and their circumstances, and. Too many bad things can affect you. That doesn't seem that crazy
0: to me. Especially not now, but I think that's a very, that's relatively new. Maybe that's not true. Maybe people, but it, it seems like for a long time people thought like you're just good or bad.
1: Yeah. And well, there's the whole fundamental nature nurture argument and all that. And I, I think what she's doing at the end of it drives home like, if we had this research definitively, then we may be able to spot a sociopath in the making. And I I don't think she's looking at it in sort of like a minority report, you know, precog, catch those criminals before they commit their crimes sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. in a sort of mental symptoms. Yeah. Like in a mental health way of like, how do you catch these things and reverse the path before it's too late? You know?
2: You can't. been just shoot and beat him up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just, that just has me thinking like uh, in Eugene, you have people camping all over the place. And anytime I see uh, any posts online about that, it's like very tossed up, and those people should uh, get a job or die or um, something. And yeah. it feels a lot to me like um, I'm picturing what Harley's pitching in our actual reality. And it would be a whole lot like the abortion, government assistance argument. Like, those children should be born, but they won't get any help when they get out here. (laughs) That's their problem. Or they're like, yeah, yeah, people end up in a bad spot because of hard living. And then somebody will be like, maybe they should have houses. And then those people will be like, nope, no houses for you, though. We traced it all the way back to the beginning, but we have no solution, though, because what are we actually going to do about it?
1: Yeah, and that's entirely possible, that she could get through all this successfully and have this great blueprint for Mm -hmm. progress, and bureaucracy just shovels it aside. I mean, that's entirely realistic. We're not
2: going to allocate money for that, though. But That's the beauty of the Batman
0: fantasy, is that he has a billion dollars, and he'll be like, "Yep, I'm a real good guy. I like what you're
2: doing. Yeah, totally. Bruce might do it. It won't fly in Eugene, but maybe Bruce Lane can do it.
1: So in the next scene, she is at a bar with Chandra Kinsolving who is trying to kind of shake her out of this. She's feeling very sorry for herself about thinking the audience was judging her and whatever. And, and Chandra says, if you want the research cash, you have to learn to play the money crowd. She's like, you can't get all big fancy words. She's like, it's a scientific presentation she's like no 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 she's like this is stab me elmo he needs therapy you know like you gotta break it down for these guys dumb it down and as they part ways there's a great action suspense scene where harleen is walking by herself on the way home and she's like lost in thought like really just in her head about what happened today And Walks by this massive explosion coming out of an alleyway. Uh, We see the Joker and his goons He sees her draws a gun on her her whole life flashes before her eyes. We get this amazing two-page spread of The two of them in the foreground and he's got the gun to her head. He's reaching across the two pages and all these small panels in the background are her life flashing before her eyes. She's thinking uh, back to when she was a kid and deciding to go into this line of work. And she's thinking about this affair she had with a professor in college and just like all these little moments that have defined her path to this point. And, uh And I think there was even a, a, a bit in there about one of her fellow students nicknaming her Harley because every guy with the midlife crisis has a ride or something like that or has had a ride. And, um, you know, she's just kind of going through all the little moments that led her to this point, but he lets her live. And he drops this sort of Marini-like quip saying, let's go back and open up the weapons we just stole. He said, you know how I love that new gun smell? And the driver was like, why did you let her live? He, He basically acknowledges the nightmares that we saw and she mentioned earlier. And said, those eyes promised to visit me every night, or something like that. Like mm-hmm. she's never gonna fucking forget this, you know. He liked just the torment of that by itself.
2: Being the first time that we're seeing him him in this, that the explosion and the dudes walking away from the explosion is a real action movie. Yeah. Slow-mo Posse shot. This visual take on the Joker is tight to me because we're talking about a character who's had like longevity and there's many incarnations and apparently he gets incarcerated and escapes and then does it again. And so he's just been in Gotham doing the same stuff for a long time. So it's possible that like, this is young 20 something early 30 something Joker. Joker. I like a little nods to the color scheme with the purple, but kind of reversed, not like all purple, little black. He's mostly black little purple shirt, still got the green hair. I think he looks
1: cool. And I think that, you know, we talked about, okay, so how do we take this crazy premise and make it more realistic? How do we sell it, you know? And so in some ways, this Joker is not as theatrical, over-the-top visually, like we said. He's a little more of a pretty boy. And I think there was some criticism of this book for that as well. But if we think about, okay, Sean Murphy set this by saying okay well this joker he is but he isn't the joker because he hasn't committed practically genocide he's not like a mass murderer there's no real evidence you know they really watered him down in that way in terms of violence and in this this is the sadistic joker that we know and love except for ben Yeah,
0: call me crazy. I'm not into this, this <laughs> murderer. But they're <laughs> not an outlier
1: here. <laughs> I'm just saying like they, they don't shy away from that. They just find other ways to make him feel a little more human.
0: No, I actually like that. I like keeping him a bad guy. Yeah. Having the uh white knight stuff where he is like, Well, he's not really that bad. Like we we wanted to use the character, but not have him really be that bad, or even like the Joker movie, where that's a very different even though that's before he's the Joker, that's a very different guy than yeah. the normal Joker mm-hmm. character. So just having this guy just be a straight-up bad guy. He's not a good person. Because I think that makes the the whole aspect of whether she can actually do anything for him or not more interesting. Yeah, And you as the
2: outsider looking in, you're kind of like, well, no, you probably can't. But you can empathize with her trying, partially because of the way he's playing her. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool, too, because it still is... Sometimes you'll have takes like year one or something where they're really trying to sell like this is a pretty realistic world. But Batman happens to exist in there. But you don't have like super powered villains. It's more like a detective story with just bad people or something. Yeah. So this is a Batman world where all that stuff does happen. Batman has the tech. He's got this hover plane. There's big lizard guys. Yeah, there's lizard guy. Bane is here. Mr. Freeze exists. Poison Ivy has planet powers, like, okay, cool. But the Joker in this, partially, it, what his clothes, that's what was making me think of it. Like, he doesn't have a costume. Everybody yeah. else has all this stuff. So that makes Joker, to me, other than whatever his origin story might be, just seem like a normal human, but bad guy. Where he's just yeah. really smart, manipulative, something, Violet. yeah, violent. Something has him seeing... Like all the bad stuff, and what, but his garb helps sell that to me. He's not like, he's not a joke. He's not, he's not silly. He's more or less a normal person who had something happen and thinks bad about stuff. But contrast to everybody else, that helps him. It's like the opposite of standing out. They're all the standout wacky villains. Yeah. He is kind of a normal guy.
1: So Batman shows up here with smoke bombs and picks off the goons one by one, just through the smoke. I really like this. Harlene is in shock and just stands there watching instead of running away. And, and there are some cops that try to get her to safety and she's just kind of paralyzed with, with fear. And there's a great shot where Joker is thrown almost at her. He flies out of the smoke and into the wall next to her. And in no time, the very next panel, like a grappling hook, catches him in the chest and pulls him back into the smoke as the fight continues I like the way they play Batman we don't get a ton of him but it's very on brand
0: how do you feel about this joker because you've complained before about a joker that can go toe to toe with Batman uh
1: yeah I didn't really have any of that problem with this he doesn't like beat him in a fist fight or anything you know he's he's,
0: he's standing his own with those knives and granted knives are like a, a Definite, definite power
2: balancer, but
1: yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 thought I like it was the
2: two page where where Batman's hopping in top right, and Joker's kind of bottom left, and it's, it's really just them two in the page. Yeah, Joker's holding the knife as he's descending. That's really cool. And we, this is Batman, so we get a lot of those smoke bomb fights where mm-hmm. goons are just being pulled into this stuff and, and being dispatched all over. But Harley has that line about the surreal theater of shadows and i like that the whole thing is like backlit instead i don't know if it's like the bat wing is illuminating their silhouettes through the smoke or something but that's the first time i've seen something like that
1: there's another line she says they grant me their gift of fear and restless nights and then they leave you (laughs) know like like okay they fucking traumatize me and then vanish back into the smoke you know bye Uh, there's a beautiful vignette here where a crowd starts to form like a very bloodthirsty crowd who like cheering on batman like you know fuck him up kill him whatever it very much echoes the bats we saw in her nightmare and it's done in the shape you know we've seen like panels that are carved in the form of like the bat symbol or something i think we saw that in um might have been detective comics or something but in this one, it's like his bloody Joker smile that all of the onlookers are chanting. And it's got this very like medieval gladiator sort of vibe to it, you know, of just a very primitive society cheering on the worst thing.
2: Two things about that, especially the last shot where they're down in the pit reminded me of Miller's Batman with the yeah. mutant mud fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, With, you know, the people in the back looking down on them and they're in this pit. And she also says something about ancient Romans and, you know, Colosseum gladiators stuff. And he even draws, you had the whole thing with uh, whatever, emperors or whatever they were, um, giving the whole like thumbs up, thumbs down, kill them thing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Russell Crowe. And he even uh, illustrates one gal up on the top like thumbs down and him you know, like, kill him part of the crowd
1: yeah it's cool now she awakens from this flashback slash dream and explains that this is something she relives every night she kind of swallows these feelings bottles it up and then just buries herself in her work at the research center her college affair Is found out as one of her old classmates works there, and that becomes gossip that kind of haunts her again. And she gets called into this office, which is a brilliantly awkward scene where Lucius Fox offers her a grant from the Wayne Foundation. But he was the guy that she was fixated on in the crowd who had. Been checking his watch and like got up and left in the middle of her shit and so she is like oh fuck this guy like what now what did I do you know sort of and then
0: you know she must have been in her head because he's like the nicest guy in this
1: universe yeah (laughs) totally you know she was like thank you but why you know like why are you wanting to fund me and he's like Mr. Wayne has a very personal motivation for assisting this this research as you can understand like and as she kind of makes her victory lap around the office after that, this other girl, Pauline, who was like, Who do you have to fuck to get this job? You know, like, whose dick did you suck to get this grant? You know, and just being like horrible to her. Um,
0: Bruce Wayne's dick. He's a billionaire, <laughs> idiot.
1: Gets like a One. proud middle finger moment as she's working her, her last week there or whatever while everything gets set up. And I, I like that. When she checks in at Arkham, it's sort of in this feeling of of being victorious, and she meets a friendly guard, Tim Bronson. She has hardly even said a word out, introduced herself before a new patient enters, being wheeled in, strapped in a wheelchair, and it's the Joker. And he's flanked by two armed officers, and it perfectly mirrors the initial shot of when she saw him in the alleyway with two goons on both sides. And uh, I, I think they even do like a little flashback above the frame, kind of showing you that those parallels continue as they're both photographed. You know, she's getting her staff ID. He's getting his inmate ID. I love Joker's dialogue in this scene, the way he's fucking with all the guards and, you know, they're like, what happened to the old guards? They're like, you escape. That's what happened, <laughs> you know. Like you, you mm-hmm. killed a bunch of these motherfuckers, and he's like, "Oh, I guess that's on me then," you know. And and like you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, hoping for you know, just because he keeps getting locked up and escaping over and over. And I I love that whole thing.
2: This is the most pleasant looking Arkham I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah, by far. I know. Well, in it's, the beginning, it's, it is anyway. It's sketch on the inside, but it's it's no castle on a cliffside
1: or anything. Mm. It's no the
2: entirety of Gotham in Sean Murphy's universe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's no Batman ninja on an island with a gorilla.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so all of the staff repeatedly mispronounces her name. She finds her office with another version of the misspelling on on the door. And she embraces this shitty little office windowless room and like okay let's get to work and stacks up all the files she takes the Joker's file and puts it right in the back like we'll get to you later (laughs) because at this point she's traumatized by this like okay wow I finally got this amazing project but it's going to put me face to face with literally the man of my nightmares and there's a cool little interview montage she speaks with Zaz and Ivy, Riddler Croc and Hatter and As she spends more time with these other inmates, those nightmares return and she starts to kind of feel it creeping up on her like, okay, I can't escape this forever. We see her doubling up the coffee and trying not to sleep because she can't have nightmares if she doesn't sleep. When she does open Joker's file, she watches all the tapes of his previous interviews. There had been half a dozen other doctors who had sat in with him in the past and she's Underwhelmed, and I find that interesting. I do this a lot. I will overthink something that is a lot of negative thoughts, a lot of anxiety or anticipation, and then you go do it. And you know, maybe it's some of the things you thought, but it's not as bad as you built it up to be sometimes. She's just basically watching him play these guys with his whole like multiple choice background shit,
0: and she doesn't totally realize it at first. The depth of his manipulation is not readily apparent to her. Even though he's
1: bullshitting, it's just like, oh, he's just like a compulsive liar. Exactly, yeah. Like, he's just fucking with every one of them, you know, wasting their time, basically. Uh, And then there's a tape labeled The Real Joker that shows arrest footage. In this, he's getting yelled at by a heckler, and he says something to the effect of, like, the one bad day speech look, you guys all look down on people like me, but I know you're all just fucking an inch away from living out all this fucked up shit that you think about and never say, you know? And so that's sort of the first window into his perspective that carries a lot of this story, I think, is a lot of that killing joke sort of... It's right into the surface, you know? And and what she was seeing with, like, the... The crowd of onlookers and the bats and her nightmares that sort of personify that, you know, of like, you know, society is a lot more fucked up than we think. We just like to cast blame on these easy targets because it makes us feel like we're not.
2: Yeah,
0: but at the same time, and this is a general criticism of the character's idea or what he's saying there, that's what separates people. is the people who don't start killing a bunch of people (laughs) or don't. Yeah. Like that's... To recognize that everybody has those kind of things in that darkness and that there's potential for that in everyone is valid.
1: That is Batman.
0: Yeah, but that's also Batman is recognizing that most people don't go past that point. And even if they go past that point, maybe they still are worthy of and capable of redemption or something, but they've gone past that point. That's what makes them different than everyone else who doesn't do that.
1: But what's important here is that it is, in a way mirroring her thesis saying like this is something that's pervasive. It's widespread. It is part of us as a species and it's possible given the right circumstances. Right. And so she's seeing this and it's kind of lighting up something in her head of like, oh my God, I actually do have to talk to this person. Like I, I really need and want now. To interview him, because this might be what I've been looking for.
2: Joker's a little funny to me sometimes because. A little funny. Huh? Uh, yeah, I like that he delves into some actual like, human condition stuff a lot of times. But kind of like you're saying, Ben, Joker's whole thing is like we're equals, and I'm not as bad as you think I am because we all have the potential to do this stuff, but. Having the potential doesn't really matter. You either have or have not actually done the thing. And the difference is the action. So Joker's thinking, like, he's justified in doing what he does because we're all the same and we all could do it. And you're just like me. Like, yes, but if it happened to you, you you'd
0: fart. do the same thing. Yeah, but it, yeah. it didn't. And then the other thing, too, is sometimes really bad things happen to people and they still don't do that. Yeah. They still don't become psycho or evil or sadist.
1: I just think what's great about this is that we're establishing the theme of this story. And this, again, when I talk about, it's not just like one person manipulating her. It is all of these circumstances over a period of time leading to this because we get this from her original statement in her theory. We get this from the Joker. We get this from Harvey. We get this from her own inner monologue as she's witnessing horrible things happen and thinking, Oh my God, like I feel worse about having the thoughts I had earlier than about wanting to hurt this person because I was upset with them, you know? And so just kind of from, from all angles, we're exploring this idea.
0: But I think the book supports that, but I think the book's real point, I mean, it probably is aware that it's making this point. Her real failing is her empathy. The fact that she falls for any of this, that she wants to believe in all his bullshit, yeah, that's what sends her down the path of murdering someone. Yeah, her feelings are the things that pave the way for yeah. uh, her transition. Interesting. She ends the story worse than she starts, and the thing that lets her go down the path is buying into his bullshit about, oh, what a poor guy, all this stuff happened to him, and it could happen to any of us. Oh, man, I can help him
2: yeah and by the third book, she's talking a lot about you know what the difference between me and these other therapists is that I have feelings for him and that I care, but that also led to the like dissolving of the right barriers in order to uh to make the right decisions Just trying right. to treat
1: yeah. yeah, but I and think what- the distinction there is that she shares his view in that some of these doctors did just publish books and try to earn money off of this interaction or they were there in order to further their career or something like that in that what she found in him was an answer to her question. That was different. And then that made her invest in this. And if you look at the other baggage that she's carrying, because they talk about how she self-isolated and had no social life. She's like, I've got one friend. I have been ostracized in these other ways. I had a horrible college experience. I had a hard work experience. I had all this shit. She is very in her own head all the time. And so finding some kind of purpose is huge for a person who doesn't have any sense of belonging.
0: But that's what I mean. Is she is doing the exact same thing as those other doctors she's criticizing. She has found something in him for her. She deludes herself into thinking because it's something different than what they found or were looking for, that she's not bad. She's not on their level. She's above them. And obviously it does not work out for her. She's wrong. They all have goals that require the Joker. Trying to use him and he uses them.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't really see her as using him.
0: She's desperate to know him and to find out what his deal is and help him and all this to justify her own nonsense, well, to prove her theorem.
1: I mean, we'll we'll get into it when they actually start talking. She has a very low tolerance for his bullshit
2: until so- he finds the right bullshit for her. You are saying that all these people who kind of lead into this pile of like human perspective during this—you yeah. got Joker and Two Face and stuff like that—and <laughs> and I was thinking that like even Batman in this hardly does anything to like reassure her at any point they can be helped right he's like uh it would be nice maybe like i'm just trying to punch them until they get better i don't don't know you've got your method i've got mine
1: i mean he knows he knows hey you're dealing with the worst of the worst and there's a line of people before you who have tried there will be a line of people after you.
2: I just There's nobody there to actually reassure her that, yeah, this is good. Keep going. Or, that's super foolish. Even Batman, the dude is like, uh, I don't know, actually. Or, I mean, strange, you know, strange is... Heads the facility.
1: Strange yeah. is, he's going, I've seen a lot of people like you. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> yes. I've seen a
2: lot of people like you, and you've seen very few mustaches like this. <laughs> so, uh, who should you listen to?
1: So, at this point... As he becomes more in the forefront of her mind again, her insomnia returns, she's going through pills, diets, chiropractors, alcoholism, a a time stretches out here where she's really trying to, I guess, face facts that, all right, I'm going to have to confront this person. At this time, Harvey Dent gets a tip from Pauline, that old bitch at the research center from college, who condescendingly tells Harleen to stop her research. Dent has this whole song and dance. He pulls out his two-headed coin. It's like, this was given to me by the victim of a parolee. You know, like these monsters will try to convince you that they've changed their ways, but no matter how it lands in the flip, you know, they'll only show you more of the same. And, And she has a great bullshit detector. She's like, I'm sure that works great. At your fundraiser parties, but it's a bullshit metaphor to deceive people. She's like, it's not a real coin. Get yourself a real coin, asshole. She basically storms off saying, like, no, you're not going to push me around. You're not going to talk me out of this. And at the end of that, says that within five months, they would both become murderers, which is very interesting just from their positions in relation to this i mean he's the da fighting crime she's in here trying to unlock how does a person become this way you know they're both trying to help in their own ways but now just acknowledging from the beginning this is book one but we will both become what we're trying to stop
2: it's nice to see her stand up to somebody also because she's felt pretty shaky the whole time yeah so it's nice to see her like passionate and really say what she needs to say.
1: And to a powerful person as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's cool, too, the way that they kind of sync up the storylines so that they're, both of their origins are kind of happening simultaneously and yeah. they're a bit related. That's neat.
1: All right, so she storms off in anger and goes directly to Arkham. She's all worked up and, all right, I'm going to interview Joker right now. And he toys with her right out of the gate, the, you know, Hannibal Lecter shit of like, you know, I recognize you from somewhere and then like lunges at the glass and sees her fucking eyes widen with fear and is like, ah, that's the look, you know. She, Such
2: a good scene, oh my god.
1: Yeah, she does a great thing right out of the gate in that she doesn't let that get under her skin. She's like, look, I've gone through your stories, you are somehow this and that and this and that and this all at the same time. Like, I know you're full of shit, and you've done this a million times, so let's talk about something else, right? You know, I want the real story. Let's not talk about you, then. Let's talk about monsters. I heard you say that, you know, humanity, we're all monsters, we're all whatever, we're all capable of, so why don't we talk about that instead? And so, she's like, all right, clearly I'm not going to get an answer going this way. So, let's talk about something else, and see if I can get a little bit of that. I mean, he was kind of ranting in the streets. It's like, let's see if I can get a little bit of that from him. And when she starts by saying, okay, Mr. Joker, and he insists on Mr. J and that's how they end book one. For me, I was instantly sold. I bought issues one and two at a comic shop after uh, San Antonio Comic Con, I think. And I read them on the plane and was like, wow, what a great ending. I was very excited about that. I wasn't on board yet.
0: I'll say that. I mean, I can't trust enough how...
1: You're so it- hard to impress. I was like, this is a gift from God. <laughs> it's,
0: it's not just... just this is just made I mean, for you're me. correct. I'm extremely hard to impress. I will not argue with <laughs> I was like... A- man i could have been killing people in video games for hours i had to read this (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, i mean the art is stunning as negative as i can be i don't want to not credit the things that i do like the art is stunning but i'm just always going to have a fundamental like feeling bad for the joker or empathizing with him does it interest me too much
1: where has she done that so far
0: I feel like that's kind of fundamental to what she's looking at him of like, oh, man, and I could feel it as he's beating him like he didn't deserve that, which is true. I mean, if you were to see someone getting beaten, whoever they are, if you weren't totally eroded on the inside, you should have some bad feelings about that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Um, this is a young person straight out of college going, that isn't justice. What the fuck, man? He just drew a gun on me, pointed at my fucking head. I don't want to see his face smashed into the pavement. Just take him in, you know?
0: You probably would, though. Or I think a lot of people would. If someone threatened to kill you, go. I want to see this person hurt.
1: I mean, you're right. I know a lot of people see violence and want more violence, and that's sort of a the theme of the story, but I, I'm i with her in that case of, like, Jesus Christ, this is sick, you know? I mean, I'm a person who thinks, like, <laughs> I'll watch people sharing Instagram posts of fucking UFC fighter breaks his leg or something like ha fucking bitch you know and i'm like you guys are disgusting this is some weird primitive gladiator mm. shit that should not exist like i find it physically repulsive
0: but you still get angry at stupid people not stupid people like that but like if someone is stupid towards you or aggressive or mean you have a visceral animal anger back towards them
1: yeah yeah absolutely but again i i get it from her perspective on again like batman I was like, sure, we might have these these really strong feelings, but that doesn't mean you fucking take it there. Jesus Christ, you know? Sometimes
2: you do. Yeah, I mean, the Joker says that we probably all have and will and we're all evil and stuff. I was enjoying myself reading this first one, and I liked it. Though I know that the writing's on the wall. Harley's going to end up being Harley, but so far it was like a pretty human story, and I was digging that. And then I felt a little wary and dismayed when I looked at book number two and I saw the, the cover. The, <laughs> yeah, from the behind the back Lovey cover and the a small part of me wants to let him in quote on the back. And I was like, nope, I see where this is going. And that, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a romance story.
1: Harley and, and Joker, a, they go together. You book. know where it's going to end up. I mean,
2: and yeah, but this was full of.
1: Jesus Christ, Ben! Uh, do you have like some of- tape or something? Can you fucking like? <laughs> no, <laughs> I apologize. Do you, hear, do you hear it now? To the listener, I've I've heard it the entire time without pause.
0: I was leaning the whole time, so it wouldn't be hanging over. It could be my chair.
1: Yeah,
2: I don't have a fancy bat chair like you do. It's an old office chair. It is a romance, and I know that their story is like a twisted romance. It just ended up being pretty extra for me.
1: Pretty extra. What are you, twelve?
2: Don't make me nope. just doesn't you over this it, fence. Yeah, it's just not anyway, very just not much read. like things that I normally read. It was a lot like things that... It's not very and read <laughs> No, I mean, I... I yes,
0: I agree. Uh, but I think that's the, the demographic. That's the target. That's the story they're trying to tell, or he's trying to tell. They were going for like, well, let's tap into kind of like a romance story market, and let's use these characters in this world to tell that kind of story. Yeah. I wondered
2: about, who is this book for, and what are their intentions?
1: Oh, somebody boy. who
2: likes the batman universe and wants a romance story i just thought maybe they're maybe they were trying to bring some girls in now not know yeah that's what I, but i'm saying because like they're due to or like that a lot too it seems like it was maybe written by a lady for ladies <laughs> <That's> very <laughs> close-minded of you
1: well call me a lady because i <laughs> i i wasn't like oh shit cool like a romance novel i was like oh cool like a real like version of the psychologist the person she really was before getting to know the actual human being before she became all this crazy shit like i don't that know
0: might be my favorite part about the story about the book is harley quinzell doctor as a character
2: yeah this is the most i've ever seen her justified as like oh yeah she was a, a professional who
0: had skills and abilities and like goals relating to that
1: yeah i want to spend time in this world uh, you know mm. Anyway, we got a lot of ground to cover you just here. Want so want
0: Joker to wrap his arms around
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. When I first read this book, I was like, looking at his design,
2: Nibbles.
1: You know, and and that that was really the only thing that threw me at first was like that he does look I don't know so benign and pretty like a Twilight character or something. You know, it was just like I didn't like the look initially. But now it's like I've read it a bunch of times, it doesn't really register to me. But yeah, at, at the time I was like, why are you trying to make him, you know? Because <laughs>
0: like, you as the reader, if they're doing their job right, are supposed to fall in love with them too.
1: Yeah, they have to set the stage because they're not watering down the violence. So they have to do other ways to make him human or likable
2: he's a pretty broken bad boy and
1: that's what the ladies like <laughs> <laughs> yes he's uh <laughs> what was the the italian dude who comes over on the sopranos that Carmela falls in love with furio he's furio there you go <laughs> yeah he was like the fucking mob enforcer guy that she, that she just thinks is so dreamy you know
0: i could just reach you <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so book two joker continues here in this meeting he opines that the average person will politely smile while imagining quote savage things monsters in hiding until the rubber bands of their masks snap there's this great joker harley bank heist montage which i don't know if this is the future or if this is something imagined or what I sort of think it is a literal flash forward where Joker's robbing a bank and, you know, some concerned citizen, good guy with a gun, you know, and doesn't see her from behind. Actually, in the in the hardcover here, there's a close up of her smashing that dude's head with a baseball bat. Yeah. (laughs) And I love that. And she leaves. You sick fuck. Yeah. She yeah, could,
2: I don't like UFC, uh, but I do like <laughs> these comic books. Yeah, uh, I agree.
1: <laughs> I, like, I, cartoon, like too. I like cartoon. I like cartoon violence. Sort of like real violence. I like cartoon violence. Yeah. So Harley leaves disappointed that he's pitching a lot of bullshit. You know, he's being very superficial with her again, and she's not getting what she wanted. Doctor Matthews from the research center calls to offer an interview with Gordon. Say, hey, I got you set up with Gordon, but I don't know if you want to take it. This might be bad timing. And she's like, what are you talking about? Oh, watch the news. And we see the reenactment of the long Halloween where Maroney throws acid on Dent's face in a live TV interview. This is not in the courtroom, so slightly reimagined. I like how they play it. They're like, oh, yeah, look at uh, Mr. Maroney here. He's an important man as police officers bringing his coffee, you know, and the cop kind of like has his hat down. And kinda, i got to get out of here. Yeah, exactly, ducks out of the way and come to find out that was the acid.
0: That's a pretty gnarly 2 face
1: Actually, yeah, I pointed it out to And. I was like, wow, look at his face. You know, you kind of see the like the meaty part of his cheek or whatever like you always do. But what's really sick looking to me is the bone, right, under his eye socket. You know, like the cheekbone there. Mm-hmm. Just the way that from kind of the upper third of his face, it's like, oh, that is skeleton. Wow.
2: Ben, did you ever play that first-person shooter of 13? No, I'm familiar with it, though. The whole time that I'm like, you know, this is cool. It's really interesting. What about it is familiar to me? And it was like specifically this shot with Maroni. It was like his face reminded me of a thing, but then that also became the thing that made me realize that that's why it was so familiar to me, was that like this whole minimal black outline, but outlines of varying line weight, and then the rendering of... Like facial details as a shading thing black over. lines yeah it's like oh that's like some early cell shading stuff Yeah, with just black outlines and then black doesn't really exist in other places so much not in details you know shadows yeah. are like created with shadow colors you don't draw in a wrinkle with black you draw in a wrinkle with color and so yeah. blacks kind of just exist on the outside like people's
0: borders and stuff well then I think combining that with like the noir look that kind of fits that game too of like Assassins yeah. and shooters and you know, oversized guns and all that kind of stuff.
1: Totally. Well, and with this, I think you touched on something that makes me like it so much because, especially just the scenes of like her by herself at her apartment, just like inner thoughts or, you know, waking up from a nightmare or something like that, they will do lots of panels on one page of just her various facial expressions. And much like I've said about Gary Frank, I think these are so powerful. She's so emotive. And maybe the way that they do that is by softening the features a little bit and making it feel more human. You know, your, your skin doesn't have a lot of hard black lines on them. And so I think that that could be part of the reason that she feels so three-dimensional to me
2: he does a really good job with very distinct facial expressions
1: yeah
2: um, you do get some repeat stuff like oh the joker's smile looks like the joker's smile or something but he does a really good job giving her a real variety of expressions that yeah. i think is really cool and i'd be very curious about like his style is clearly like looks to be 100 percent digital largely colored with like a painter-esque brush. But the outlines are very – everything looks pretty fast to me. But then when you get to the faces, it makes me wonder how much more time he spent rendering just faces as opposed to, like, bodies. Like, clothes get far less detail. Like, faces get all the detail. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, 75% of his time was spent on people's faces and not on the other stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what's selling it, especially in a more emotional, you know, romantic story. And you talking about the wide variety of expressions. There are facial expressions on this that I don't think I've ever seen drawn, period. And I think that's one of the things that really just makes me love this version of this character. Because, I mean, you're seeing just these little slight mouth movements of her either being awkward or her kind of suppressing a thought or... I don't know, all these different things, almost there's like a flirty expression that she makes a couple times, but it's in sort of like a, you know, I just woke up from a, a hot dream or something like that, you know, <laughs> but like, I, I'm just seeing things on her face that I'm not used to seeing anywhere else that makes me, again, feel like, like this is a real person that I'm really. Well, and also,
0: for. it doesn't do that thing that we've talked about before that often is like the
1: remnant of human model reference mm-hmm. of faces where, like, some
0: angles look really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. But it, this doesn't
1: do it, that. It does like, a it couple is, times. There's one or two shots where she's got, like, quite a schnoz. But...
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple
0: strong profiles. But there's sure. no, like, weird, like, the mouths are usually what gets me. Like, somebody yeah. would be, like, profile or three-quarter profile in the mouth looks so alien. Yeah. Just because it's like, it's like they took a picture of someone's mouth, and that's real, but then it, turning that digital or two dimensional yeah. lost
1: something. Or if they're like slightly out of the foreground because they're smaller, like, oh let's just put a fucking happy face on them. I'm yeah. like,
0: why would
2: you do that? You know I don't have time to finish this face. I've got a face this yeah. To draw.
1: There's no no slacking on the expressions for sure.
2: That's an interesting aspect to digital art also. If you were drawing something with a pencil or a pen, you can't really draw Smaller than you can't your zoom in on allows. it, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't go like smaller than a dot, you can't fit a face on a dot. Wish.
1: I mean, not with that attitude,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right, Sam. You're right, I can do it. A smaller uh, pencil, yeah, yeah. I'll get a face on that dot. Uh, that's one thing that really shows me sometimes this stuff is digital. If it wasn't already like really obvious the amount of detail that they can fit into a thing is like, oh, you must have zoomed in to draw that mm-hmm. and then zoomed out because otherwise you couldn't fit that in that space.
1: Uh-huh. I love that you're always thinking of these in practical terms. And, you know, Yeah, I would have never thought of that. I'm all thinking story shit and you're just like, uh-huh. man, that is so good back there. He must have had to blow that shit up
0: yeah i'm like it doesn't matter how big of a pen you give me i
2: can't draw any of
1: this <laughs> yeah.
2: it, it's funny I, I think that a lot of times maybe i was always doing that and then it got a little worse when we started doing the podcast but i almost feel permanently distracted because <laughs> you know you're like you're talking about being moved by the story and i can't like escape the technical aspect of stuff ever like I'm tallying grammatical errors and uh, looking at the backgrounds while you are wrapped up in the story. Or it's like
0: being distracted by a very off-putting extra in the background or something that like trust me though
1: i am not missing grammatical errors like in so many stories he'll end a sentence in like a preposition or do like do something weird i'm like this is the most educated man he would not fucking say that you know like educated
0: and also like pedantic and regimented and obsessive yeah yeah
1: Yeah. like it's constantly in batman dialogue i'm like this is a poor person writing a rich person (laughs) <laughs> like, stop it!
0: <laughs> yeah, what do we get these billionaire comic book writers in here to? <laughs> <laughs> no, just I'm just life to the character. I'm just
1: saying, like, if you could do all this psychology and all this other awesome shit, then don't make Batman mm-hmm. say a thing that like <laughs> a high schooler would write.
2: You can't have spelling errors when you're writing this. The, you, the dialogue is that smart, and then you still have spelling errors. There was one I noticed. Or just basic
1: sentence said, structure is m- what gets me.
2: M-m-ni-ash-ins. There's still munitions in the alley. Yeah. So, <laughs> munitions. I tallied the ones I found. Like, it's
1: at the end. <laughs> All right, so when Maroni's taken away, a tape is released to the public of what happened here. The cops put on these masks. They declare themselves the executioners. They shoot Maroni on video. Batman and Robin swoop in. The tape is over.
0: A little late, guys.
1: Now, on TV, they're playing this. And as they do, they're polling, and the public supports the executioners. And again, this all feeds into this thesis that she has. She reflects on Joker's theory that people are dreaming of violence, was the quote, shivering with barely suppressed rage. As she watches this, his thoughts are kind of going, or his words are kind of going through her head. Next, she meets Gordon at the GCPD and observes an interrogation of what he calls a hero cop that is now one of the executioners. Everyone on the force is under suspicion at this point. No one knows who to trust. He's like, no one is going to talk to a shrink, especially right now. And so she asks him a favor, like, okay, well, you know how to talk to Batman, right? And he's like dude wears a cape and a mask. He's not going to want a fucking psychologist asking questions. Be careful. Be careful. And she's like, no, I just have a question. I just have one question. And so she waits around all fucking day till nightfall and the signal's up and he shows up. And this is a beautiful sequence on the rooftop with just the way that it's lit and and again, the sort of painted style that's that's very Dark Prince Charming. Like, I I love the way this looks. I Um, love this
0: rendering of Batman. Yeah. Just like, the right kind of build, the neat, uh like
1: Affleck glowing eyes. Yep. Yeah, I like how often he's got glowing blue eyes. She asks if he thinks these people can be helped. And is that why he doesn't kill them? Like, do you think there's a chance for redemption? And that's why you let them live. That's why you send them to a place like Arkham, right? And he says. I've even seen people just share this as like a standalone kind of a meme of Batman saying, I don't kill because as hard as it is sometimes actually, no, he says as hard as it sometimes is, it's still the right choice. I don't want to give up on them or on myself. And that's about as Batman as you can get in terms of his morality, his mission statement that look, I might want these things sometimes, but I don't push myself there because that not only fails them, but it fails myself and my own mission.
0: I actually like that panel that's like four panels earlier because to me that's even more succinct. We get the later panel because she says, yeah, I know, but tell me why. But her, her asking him that question him just being like, I don't kill. Yeah. What do you mean? That's, I don't do that. That's why I don't do it. That's yeah. not the thing I do. <laughs> Yeah, me, Batman, no kill. That's the yeah.
1: that's the very autistic answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: <it's>
1: like, <laughs> she asks about the Joker specifically. This is what you guys mentioned earlier. He sort of just says, "Good luck." There have been many people who have tried. That's about all I can say. You know, not a lot of I'm optimism. Not kill there. him, not because I don't want to. It's just not a thing I do. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've been punching him in the face for a decade, and it hasn't (laughs) helped yet. I've been hoping for just, like, sustained brain damage and
1: a permanent coma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Bronson, back at at Arkham, he picks up some coffee for Harleen and expresses a little more concern for her well-being. He says, remember when I told you that I coped with whiskey and darts? You might want to find your darts. You know, he says he can smell alcohol sweat on her and is really starting to get worried. I mean, really this whole story is kind of her gradual descent, but to say she keeps a small circle is not even,
0: she doesn't have a circle at this point. She
1: has no one. So yeah, it's for someone to be observing that is pretty significant. She commits herself to playing the long game with Joker saying, all right, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to whittle him down, let him spin his bullshit, and eventually, I'm going to get in. And he begins to actually wear her down with just subtle things. You know, first it was Mr. J. Now it's, you know, he pretends to struggle with her name as well, her Quinzel, and okay, well, can it just be Quinn? You know what? It's Dr. Quinn. Okay, sure, fine. right? So now they're both a little Casual, little informal. He rants about what he calls hilariously ineffective laws and points to Batman as the public's righteous indignation personified. She brings up his no-kill rule as a counter, to which Joker says, for now. And I like this because in this book, he's not facing off head-to-head with Batman, but there's still a lot of that, like, I'll get him to break his fucking rule.
0: That's who he is facing off with, even if he's out of the room.
1: Exactly. And to him, when Batman does cross that line, and this gives it a little more depth, I'm not sure I've quite seen it in this light, it will give permission to the cops and anyone else, really, who looks up to him to make those exceptions. You know, oh, well, Batman killed that one time, so, you know, this guy is a suspected rapist. I'm going to kill him, right? Or this guy fucking beats his wife. I'm going to kill him, right? And so he's playing the long game going, if I can get him to do it, he will lose the whole war. Not on a personal level, but like the whole fucking thing.
2: It's interesting to think of Batman as some sort of moral gatekeeper or moral compass. I've always just thought of him as a dude doing what Other people can't do. Because Joker's logic there is even a little, a little
0: toothless.
1: It's the Dark Knight fairies. That's what it is. It's that Joker.
0: I thought you meant fairies like fantasy. I was like, no, no. No, When he puts the bombs,
1: (laughs) he puts a bomb on each fairy full of people. You know, it's like, oh, the inmates in one, and the citizens in the other. And it's like, okay, you know, you better kill the other one before they kill you. You know, like.
0: That's not what I'm talking about when I say toothless. For me, it's the idea of him saying, because killing is held up as like the ultimate, like he's not going to cross that line. And this is criticism of the character of Batman. But it's like punching people in their wounds repeatedly to get them to tell you something Mm -hmm. is also crossing a line that I think a lot of the cops are not in this city are not staying on one side or the other because of what Batman does. All the laws he breaks, all the torture he inflicts, is already a thing he does, and they're and they're kind of already just doing what they were doing before anyway.
1: Look, I know you didn't like The Dark Knight Rises after your one friend told you it was bad, but he was <laughs> me me this. a beacon of inspiration to those people. He was a symbol of hope, and that they have talked about in other iterations of like the bat signal that like lets you know that somebody's out there, somebody's on your side, even when it feels hopeless. I mean, are we not here for that reason on some level?
2: I'm here to hang out yeah, with it, my good friends. It, yeah, yeah, it would make my heart feel good to look up and see the bat symbol in the sky. Oh, somebody's getting murdered. Yeah, yes, yeah, so know that somebody who I deem evil is getting tortured out there by some I, and, maniac. And I'm not even saying that, like, torture's bad. <laughs> Maybe that should
0: be an easy thing to say. I'm not even saying that. Wow, I'm saying the, really? The idea that,
1: like, ben Polanski endorses torture, everyone.
0: Polanski's <laughs> on the fence. I love torture. torture. On the fence. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but I mean, that's what he does That. He, he does extrajudicial torturings. that's part of his thing, depending on who's writing him, sometimes he won't really do that. He'll just like have the fear of that. But the idea that like him killing someone will be that final thing, so then all the bad all the regular people who want to kill people will finally do it i am just saying the character of the joker's logic I think doesn't make sense.
1: What's interesting here though is again she's she's starting to get a little bit of what she is looking for, and he kind of sees through her poker face of like. I think she agrees with this on some level, you know, and she asks like, okay, before I go, why did you let me live? He says, there are two expressions that I love seeing, abject horror and an honest smile, right? And I thought I wouldn't mind seeing her smile. And then it's getting a little like romance novel-y, right? And he goes, (laughs) then again, maybe I was out of bullets, crazy people, am I right? And that was very Dark Prince Charming to me, like, I like that even when they soften him, they'll still keep a little bit of that shit in there. So he gets under her skin one last time as she leaves. He's fully... Erect. No. He's uncharacteristically subdued and, and sincere. He's, <laughs> that's
0: from a romance novel, I guarantee you that. Straight up, straight up from <laughs> a romance novel. His
1: swollen Fair member... Um,
0: yeah. Quivered in anticipation. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: no, but he, he's almost vulnerable for a second and looks back at her and says, with some sincerity, I would love to see you smile one day. So back at home that night, she is no longer afraid and she's sort of convincing herself that she's unimpressed. She does have nightmares, but now the nightmares are monsters with human masks and they have the little elastic band around the back just like he had described and they're gathering for a big execution turns out to be joker's execution and so subconsciously at this point like now we're beginning to see the mission to save him i think this is kind of the first clear there's a chance for redemption there's something left in him still that's not pure evil you know
0: which is looking yeah, at the dream imagery of the monsters
2: urging him to be killed and yeah. him
0: chained up and small.
1: Yeah.
2: She thinks that she sees some kind of emotional range in him that so far hasn't existed. And maybe that's not exactly what she's shooting for, but that might seem like a crack to her. Yeah, Like, oh, there's space. There's reasoning with this guy. He actually does feel some other things.
1: Yeah, and I've watched all these hours of other people sitting in with him, and I've never seen this before. There's something, there's something real left in this person. And, I if
2: any of the other psychologists were hot girls.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I've never wanted to fuck my therapist. That would make it really weird. Or, <laughs> or <laughs> hear me out. No, um, the flip side of this, they're showing Joker at Arkham, also not sleeping as a guard, sneaks in her file and gives it to him.
2: Well, I didn't know that it was her file at this point. <laughs> Spoiler.
1: She is a little bit haunted by his, his words that he wants to see her smile and is very self-conscious avoiding allowing a smile on her face for days. And says by the end of the week, she has... A moment of vanity in the mirror and and smiles at herself and has an involuntary thought that is very troubling. She says, Oh, he couldn't pull the trigger because I was too beautiful to die. I like that just because you share the feeling. Oh yeah, look at me. Yeah, that sentiment resonated with me.
2: Sammy hands too beautiful to die.
1: <laughs> That'll be the title of my next book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I thought that a lot of this is about people having the sort of random thoughts here and there that they don't want to cop to, and yeah. she's trying really hard to be like, oh yeah, he's just putting on a show and whatever, and and he's so under her skin already that she's having a thought like that. Well, and
0: also like the Stockholm syndrome thing of people being like, oh well, this like terrible and damaged person but they're treating me different. It must be because I'm special. Yeah. Not because there's something else going on here. It's something about me is like also very unique and interesting. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, she's drawn very well
1: in
0: this bathroom. What's he seeing? It's, Oh,
1: no, like straight up. I, I, I read this <laughs> and I'm, I'm like in love with this Harley. I really yeah. am.
0: Uh, every cover is awesome. I like the romance novel covers. I like the main cover of her face.
1: The, cracking m- to show another. the main like, cover is phenomenal, and I don't know if you guys have seen this this hardcover, but where it's just a uh, slip that comes off, and it's oh, oh. Cool. it's yeah, just her her face, but I, like I seen that, that is just stunning. Like I, I've been reading it without the dust jacket because it's got a couple of cracks on it and shipping in the corner. Honestly, the plain cover is just as beautiful to me. I like that on the covers,
2: he removes his black outline on people rule. Mm. And that makes the covers specifically look more like paintings.
1: Mm. You know, I did notice that they had kind of a different vibe, but I didn't really analyze to why. It's
2: the black lines, buddy. They're not there.
1: So she distracts herself with other patients for weeks, and this does not work. She decides that maybe observing Joker while he's asleep will humanize him a little bit. Not be
2: creepy at all. Right.
1: And so she does, and it does, humanize him, but perhaps too much, because now he's facing away, he's only wearing, like, his inmate pants or whatever, and she sees all these scars on his back. Then we cut to Harvey Dent, who's waking from a medically induced coma. He finds out that a month has passed, and he demands, against doctor's orders, a press conference be set up very soon. When he first peels back the bandage in the mirror we see the perspective through his eyes which is awesome because yeah, on I the one side really cool is invention. clear the one side is like red and really really hazy that is fantastic uh he does go to this press conference and he starts to give a typical da statement and then snaps and in two-face voice goes on a tirade about the executioner's victims getting what they deserved and that these people will never change. These criminals, you know, you can't fix them, right? That echoes what he said to Harleen, one-on-one in the park. And so in versions of Two-Face, when they show he sort of had these other feelings or maybe these other issues prior, just like this Harley Quinn, I find it more believable.
2: In addition to the, the first-person eyeball perspective, I don't think I've ever seen a visualization of
1: big going on bad harp
2: or something I don't know yeah he calls him like the judge or something later but I don't think I've ever seen that character been given a face or body or anything well it seems like he keeps envisioning whoever that other guy is is like assistant or yeah yeah he's picturing the other guy but it seemed like that dude was being bad hard to me
1: <clears throat> I didn't think so it's not like it talks to him he still talks for himself yeah now i am blurring it with the long halloween because <laughs> that's all in my head about the voices you know that he was hearing
2: he does have a separate word bubble like a blue word bubble yeah but i still get the feeling that's him like thinking to himself not like the dude and then when he speaks as 2 then it looks very different yeah but then you get this dude like Jojo Bizarre
1: Adventures and um like hiding behind this you know right? Yeah,
2: you you know yep. about JoJo. Uh-huh. Um, totally. About uh him hanging out with them all the time. That's the one that uh Paul McCartney was singing
1: about, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Jojo and
2: his Bizarre are advantage. Um Is that some solo stuff? I haven't heard that.
1: No, I'm just what and uh was, just he, he's just like hey Jojo, whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, props to the letterer for that, though, yeah. because I think yeah. that the, the Harvey Two Face stuff looks fantastic. Now, when he's giving this speech, Harlene is watching this on TV. And so we switch to her perspective. And this is another amazing page. Like, I think each book kind of has one of these awesome, like, two characters facing off across the page and jumping out off the page in a way, like he is popping out of the TV into her living room, speaking directly to her state of mind, right? She latches on to part of his speech and thinks about how all the Joker's prior doctors considered him incapable of real emotions. And she believes that she glimpsed moments of sincerity that they missed, right? And so she begins to think, oh, well, all those other doctors were wrong. And that is a fatal flaw. Like, Mm -hmm. in just the little breadcrumbs of her little mistakes, I think that that really shows her losing perspective.
2: A little Harleen hubris.
1: Yeah, and what's what's dangerous about this is that we've seen Joker now has her files, and so she's now vulnerable, and he's now empowered.
2: Yeah, he's planting seeds.
1: Exactly. So she asked the Joker, okay, I just have one question for you today. Do you feel remorse? She's like, no one in all of these interviews has ever asked. They made assumptions that he's just some black-hearted monster, but no one ever asked. And he parrots her research back at her. He basically, we saw that interview, the soldier who committed the war crimes, right, in the very beginning. And he's... Paraphrasing what this guy is saying, saying like, empathy is a liability in the streets, you know, hesitation will get you killed and things like that. And she is struck, like, oh my God, this is like, I'm right, you know, she's validated, right? And then he flips the script and starts asking the questions. And there's a great visual metaphor as she is tied up in the straitjacket and he's got the lab coat at the other end of the table asking the questions and analyzing. He accuses her of using him for fame and career advancement and anything just like the others to which she snaps basically she shuts off the security camera removes his straight jacket she's very afraid of what she's doing but she's trying to demonstrate I'm not afraid of you I'm not using you no, I'm, I'm not a threat exactly I'm not exploiting you and she just like faces the wall and saying like, look, I do actually care. In fact, maybe too much. And this is Evan's favorite part where he (laughs) embraces her, gives the kind of hug from behind. She says, call me Harley. And that night is where she had that dream from the very beginning of defending him from the bats and the mob. She's even wearing the same clothes from that scene.
0: I want to give a shout out to that shot a few panels before of like the, the little red riding hood
1: oh that's yeah as the
0: big dead wolf. That was pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah
2: that's like a mini Easter egg for me. That wolf looked so familiar to me that I'm like it, it i'm trying to pin where I felt like I'd seen something like that before. And the closest I could chain, come. Though? Yes. The closest I could come was Joe Mad's Battle Chasers has these Lysolot wolf characters kind of throughout its short run, and it looks really Joe Mad-esque to me. I was picturing a panel, but I could find no such panel, so maybe it was somewhere else, but I thought that it was a Battle Chasers thing. It wasn't. Mandala effect, Mandela effect, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I was projecting. It's
1: Baron Stain Bears. Uh,
2: it's interesting to hear you talk about like how you view that scene and stuff because i couldn't
1: help but think i'm wrong
2: how could i be liking what he's saying could- no it's just different i just have like a real inability to understand some of the stuff that gets talked about in these romance novels and the danger and the confinement and the scary turn-ons and the like acceptable violence in sex and stuff like that and yeah I'm, like very weird feelings about that stuff. And so when I'm looking at this scene, I just can't help but not think of that stuff.
0: I mean, I think that's why, even though I'm always complaining or wanting more romance and that kind of stuff, and why this doesn't speak to me as much, because I'm not that, whether that's like fundamentally a feminine thing or just, for some people, a bad person, the violence and the danger, does nothing for me. Yeah. I don't yeah. like that. I don't know so not a turn on. Me, but I do like like their excitement or fear like a roller coaster or something like crazy happening it's the same thing it's just tuned towards like a partner which is not yes. the thing i have but i get that a lot of people do have that
1: yeah i yeah. definitely have issues with that stuff too i mean i i was just saying to angie the other day of like do you want me to be mean no <laughs> the popularity of like choking and stuff I just have very strong reactions to violence. And so well, we had that conversation and then we watched like some movie that night and like in the movie, like some woman did get attacked and like choked like that by the other person. And I was like, see, that's what I'm fucking saying. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what I see when I see someone doing that is like, Oh no, this is,
0: this is a 14 hour conversation that the door has been opened on. But what you're describing there, if you blow it up, that is the thing that so many people like about the Joker and characters like that. And that just that kind of stuff. And so this is just that taken and squished down into a small kind of like sexual romantic thing. But it's that fundamental thing of danger and power and vulnerability and giving yourself over and being protected and all that. And it's yeah. The whole idea is that if it's not real, then that can be explored and people are safe and there's trust and that kind of thing, but it's up for everyone. And being a person that it's not going for in that way, that, that's why this some of this doesn't really land for me. But again, that's I'm not
2: the target audience of this book. I know that the answer in all of this is like consent. Yeah. But like in these novels, there is no consent. You have like a female character fantasizing about this stranger, dangerous man character doing these things to her in which there is no consent. But the consent is the fantasy. It's like
1: very yeah. Yeah. author and, and the reader. foreign to me yeah it's that nothing has actually happened. The writer wrote
0: this for this reader, and they're both engaged in it. Either one could stop and they again nothing is actually happening okay, and that's why I say it's important in this story for Joker to be very pretty because yeah. it still happens unfortunately, but usually yeah. it's like very surface level charismatic, very attractive people who can like
1: foster abusive and unhealthy relationships. They can get away with it, yeah. The charismatic con man.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's harder to do with like an 800-pound.
1: <laughs>
0: I swear that there's like a term for, for that. You're always going after these going. pretty boys with terrible Incel. personalities. Why would you go after me, an ugly person with a terrible personality?
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so book three, Harleen is having wet dreams about Joker and can't get him out of her head. Strange demands that she signs a waiver for being so reckless in disabling his security camera because she insists on continuing to do sessions like that. And they get very close. Her and Strange, fuck. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I realized I didn't word that very well. So Bronson comes in, and and she hears him as he's coming down the hallway, kind of on the warpath. And they scramble like teenagers to put his straight jacket back on and get everything back in position, you know, as if like their parents came home early.
0: Which I guarantee you is also a line verbatim from some romance novel. <laughs> they scrambled like teenagers to put the straight jacket back on. Before-
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she stands up to Bronson when he calls Joker a monster, and she leaves very confidently thinking, you know what, I'm the Joker's doctor. Patting herself on the back for fucking breaking all the rules here. For
2: that manipulative flipperoo on that (laughs) guard.
1: Harvey is hallucinating when the three executioners in their cop uniforms knock on his door. They were inspired by his speech and ask him for guidance, for leadership. He flips the coin, saying that he's having some difficulty distinguishing fantasy from reality. And I like
2: that. That's very honest. Yeah. How
1: are you feeling? Uh, you know what. <laughs> not the best. I don't know not if you're really here or not. what's
2: real or what's not anymore. It's yeah. a funny place to be.
1: They plan a jailbreak, believing that a city in peril will garner public support for the executioners because they already have a good amount of it and saying that look if people see what this city is really capable of they'll want us no question right which i don't know like exactly what the end game is here like you think this is going to be state sanctioned or what like you but i don't know
2: you'll have public executions and stuff in the future it'll just be like a return to old times fuck Finally. yeah so we've been missing yeah yeah bring back the stocks
1: Months go by, and she begins referring to their sessions as dates. She even thinks to herself that she's falling in love as she reflects on this. When word gets out that Batman is interrogating the Joker, she storms in and kicks him out. Again, like, she's very timid in so many ways, but in the face of authority, feels very confident in like back the fuck off it's my territory it's my patient you know which
0: kind of seems some of what she's some of the good stuff in her mind that she's getting from being around the
1: joker is like the anti-authority the being able to stand up before she couldn't
0: she was beaten down by other people
1: yeah he cautions her like hey watch out for this guy okay don't spend too much time around him and she doubles down the scene is very analogous to that nightmare in the beginning. Like if there's one thing, this story does exceptionally well. It's theme. Like every (laughs) two
0: things. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, but it's very on point. Every part of it is theme. Like Batman begins every character, every angle is fear. And this one is very similar that it's all very closely tied together. And that beginning nightmare of her, Telling him to go fuck himself. This is my patient. I'll protect him how I want, right?
0: And him saying,
1: okay. Yeah, then it's on you. And so that's basically what we see here. And after that, she feels exhilarated. And she sets out to prove him wrong. And okay, I am going to be the one to save Joker. And in her fucking misguided state of mind, she, she enacts this by going into the bathroom, putting on a full face of makeup, letting her hair down, And having sex with the Joker.
2: Yeah, my magic badge is going to snap him back to sanity.
1: (laughs) Hey, I would take that kind of therapy personally.
0: I want that on a bumper sticker. My magic badge is going to snap him back to sanity. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that'd be a great tagline for a book.
0: Number one on the show. Speaking of romance 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 novels.
1: Two Face leads the executioners to Arkham, who first give Ivy bags of fertile soil and then begin freeing the inmates. Joker tells Croc who they are hey these are the executioners and they're here to kill us all so Croc starts fucking he rips a dude's arm off right away and starts eating people Harley gets to work and sees fucking cop cars everywhere and shit going wild Batman flies out of the side of the building with Bane like their fight spills out into the parking lot and and she's like what's going on who's inside and she kind of slips past Gordon and goes right in
2: (laughs) Part was a little backtrack. A couple things. One, that picture with poison ivy is probably my favorite page in the entire comic book. Yeah. Where she gets the soil and it's just her and it's like blur vines up front and yeah. the green veins and stuff. She looks so cool.
1: Yeah.
0: And the distinction um, between the two versions of her, how we've yep. seen her so far up to this point.
2: Yeah. And supposedly, on plant mode.
1: Supposedly, there is a possible spin off of this that is. Called Isley, I think. Um, as long as it's not about the beginnings of
0: her abusive relationship, I'm in.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's just her being awesome and badass and trying like to save the world with people, wealthy people then yeah. that's cool.
1: Actually, I I do have, if you guys are ever interested, I do have a very good Poison Ivy solo story that's really cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. Bring it I on. I like Poison I Ivy more than I like Harley Quinn. I don't know. Oh, no, I honestly think that between no, I. Love how her. I currently feel about humans and the world and then the things that we've read and watched lately that Poison Ivy is like my favorite character in the Batman universe now.
1: Yeah, honestly I've been on a big Ivy kick lately. That story was part of it, but
2: I feel like this, we didn't
0: give Lake Bell enough credit. Her Poison Ivy in the Harley Quinn show is really cartoon. Great. So yeah. great.
1: She is now my voice of Ivy when I read her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But she's she's calm, so good. She's cool. I've actually really enjoyed a couple of the um, Harley and Ivy Series as well. I even liked the fucking Archie crossover where it was Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica. Um,
0: they trade places, don't thing.
1: Yeah, it's like a body swap thing because Zatanna's in it, and f- yeah, some shit happens. But yeah, um, <laughs> I was like, man, that sounds stupid. I was like, but I love Laura Braga. I'm gonna check it out, and <laughs> I fucking loved it. So you never know. But yeah, I, I really have grown fond of Ivy as well.
2: I liked that Joker moment where they're being freed from Arkham and you'd think a person would be fairly content to like, hell oh, yeah, let's just get out of here. But Joker's like, hey, rock <laughs> these bad <are laughs> that guys that are here to help us. Uh, yeah, you know, like, Of course, he'd be the one stirring the pot for like no reason. Yeah, that's the most Joker moment in the whole book. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the I'm help. You. Hey, rock
1: Well, I think there's an interaction with the executioners that let them out right before that where he's like, well, wait a second. What are y- you guys doing? It's kind of mm-hmm. in the name. You're here to kill us, right? And he's like, no, we want you to go and do your thing. Fuck shit up, you know? And he's like, mm, I don't know. Hey, Croc, eat that guy. Eat you nice know? <laughs> I <don't> know, man. <laughs> he's like, something's up here. I don't like this. It's too easy.
2: The last thing I thought was funny is that when Harley comes up and she's talking to Gordon at first, he's like, Batman's fighting Bane. And then, boom, they smash the gate right there. And Gordon says, they've stolen their weapons back. And I was like, why do you why? Keep, them in <laughs> keep their shit there? Yeah, like, I know this isn't prison and you get your pants back. Like, once, <laughs> like Your watch thanks, and your wallet. For, yeah, thanks for my jeans. Like, you want them to do this stuff, don't you? Like, why would you keep, would you keep Mr. Freeze's costume there yeah. when he could instantly go and do his crap? You just put it in some other facility yeah, where they will not have Someone's access to it. Yeah, yeah it's weird.
1: So inside Arkham, the power is out. Harley comes across these half-eaten bodies, and Croc spots her and and is pouncing at her. And there's a great shot where he gets caught by Ivy's vines, and she actually throws him through like the brick wall out of the building. Mm -hmm. Harley soon bumps into Harvey on a rampage. He flips the script on her hypothesis saying that 20 years as a DA has shown him the worst of humanity. Like, there's no redemption for these people. He says, I did take your advice. I got a real coin, and he flips it, you know, because he's got the scarred side now. But he got the good side, and he couldn't kill her. And so he goes to flip again, and Joker's like, hey, buddy, that's cheating, and kind of steps in.
2: That's funny because when he did that, I thought, like, I know that that probably appears in other things, and I'm sure that I've seen it in other things. But, of course, these are people, and they're full of contradictions. But I thought, like, that became Two-Face's means of making decisions. Leave it to the coin. Then he doesn't have to think about it. But he gives it the one flip, and he's not content with it. And then he goes to do it again. Like, well, if that's the case, then it's not... Even actually the coin, you don't even play he, by your own rules. He's been doing this for a day. You need to let him work <laughs> the kinks out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, I really like Joker's dialogue in this. He's like, you know, you look half familiar. Oh, Harvey Dent, as I live and breathe. And Dent goes, not for long. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. I, I really like this stuff. And uh Joker pounces on him with a brick and just beats the fuck out of his face. And he says, I'm not going to kill you. Just like my hairstylist, I'm going to even you out a little bit, you know.
0: That bloodied face is, this is a book where people yeah. have been eaten and That might be the most disturbing shot in the book.
2: I think that's the thought of bludgeoning anybody with a hard thing is terrifying. Yeah. The <laughs> guy comes up later and he's like, can't even tell that it's him. Yeah, yeah that's a cool, what? I, don't
1: know who it's, well, I like that not to jump ahead, but because he he looks to Joker of like, oh my God, and he's like, well, half of that's mine.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, did. <laughs> I can only <laughs> take half credit.
1: Yeah, in the scene, Bronson steps in, he sees the bodies of the guards, and he shoots Joker on sight. Harley grabs Dent's gun, and tries to buy some time here and get Bronson to back down, but she's very nervous and she's squeezes the gun too tightly and shoots Bronson in the head. And this is another insane two page spread of two characters drawn on each other and all of their little moments together, all of his kind words or his advice or his cautions, you know, peppering the background.
2: Pretty rough that he was the guy that she ended up killing. You know, she talks about it early on. You know, like, but damn, that guy was actually pretty nice to you. You could have killed any one of the random guards, um, but it makes it a little more potent that it was actually a dude who I kind of know him as a character, and he was kind to you.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that again makes her turn more believable. Of like, not just that she killed someone, not just that she defended the Joker and killed someone but that it was someone not only she cared about, but someone who looked out for her.
0: I agree completely. I think that's the most believable and most effective, inciting thing for her becoming the villain that we know her to be
1: at
2: that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably the only person who actually showed any real feeling towards her.
1: Some concern. Yeah. Now she is in total shock once again, basically ready to turn the gun on herself she kind of snaps and begins to laugh. And she says, you know, you were right. Um, just like everybody else in this city, you know, she writes Harvey and Harley on the wall in blood. And it's like, look at us, both murderers, all our good intentions were a big fucking joke. And she has this fucking, you know, psychotic episode here and just starts laughing. And, i think joker is kind of just watching like he's not really participating at first he's just watching this like holy shit wow and he starts laughing they come together and kiss and she's like my life is over and he says no it's just getting started
0: i do like that moment because that's the first moment where i saw anything in him that was approaching, like, a genuine affection for her. Because everything before this just seemed like manipulation or just like, oh, she's hot, that's cool. Seeing her break is, like, a moment where he's like, oh, I like this person now.
1: Well, and I look at it more of, like, a detached sort of... The whole time he's playing a game, right? He might look at her some other way, but she is just another doctor trying to get under his skin, right? And so if he can play that game back and flip it on you and unlock your brain. Well, now I'm the one in control of these situations, right? And to get him to fully break her and see it happen right before his eyes, like, oh, wow. Then it's like, I have a new toy to play with. Cool.
0: I mean, there's a lot of that, but I do think there is more like seeing her as more than just something to discard in that moment.
1: Yeah. Two-part epilogue here. Three weeks later, Bruce and Alfred are in the Batcave and they discover from the tapes that Joker is parroting Harley's own research back to her, using it against her and creating the perfect patient in order to validate her work. That kind of enables her to be consumed by him. And Bruce blames himself. He has a lot of guilt for funding this project to begin with and starting her down this path, to which Alfred's like... You know, there's no way you would have known this. It's not your responsibility. She made a lot of choices on this road. And then four years later, Harley is dreaming. She's in the full jester suit. She's surrounded by funhouse mirrors where reflections of her former self, the red shirt and the lab coat, you know, her Arkham attire, trying to escape. And the narration says, there's a small part of me that wants to wake up. Even the darkest night must end, right? And that is the end of book three and the end of our story. Any Easter eggs from you guys?
2: When Bronson has coffee for Harley at that one point, there's two cups. One says Deanie and one says Tim on it. And though I don't think it was intentional... Joker calls her Dr. Quinn, and that made me
1: think of the show Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman starring Jane Seymour that was on when I was a younger person. Yep. I wrote Mad Love Everything. Obviously, that was the basis here. There's a shot in the beginning, in the streets, the first encounter, there's a silhouette of Joker's revolver that looks exactly like Harley's love-hate revolver from Suicide Squad. After killing... His driver, Sam, he says, Bob, you're my number one guy now. Like, mm-hmm. The real Joker tape sets off this very killing joke, you know, one bad day sort of thing that, that carries through this whole thing. In their first interview, Harleen rattles off some of his fake stories and says, at the same time, you were a rich mobster thrown into a vat of chemicals, 89, a failed comedian, killing joke, abused by your parents, Joker, kind of covering a lot of ground there. The arrested executioner to which she witnesses his interrogation, his name is Sergeant Hoskins. And Bob Hoskins was the voice of Commissioner Gordon in Batman the Animated Series. Oh. Okay, so pros.
0: Again, the artwork is fantastic. That's always, always start when the artwork's great, but these people are all like exceptional professionals. And it's not just that the artwork is fantastic, but I really like these designs. And even though we don't get to see it until the very end, this version of Harley, like this costume is rad. I love it. That's really cool. Having like the uh, whatever you call those things that hang off her hat hanging down in the back.
1: I actually don't like how long they are. I don't love when artists do like the super. Like if it, yeah, if they're lower than shoulder, I think it's like a little weird looking to me. But but it yeah, it
0: is
2: weird looking, but it's kind of nunny, and I like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got the like dancer girl in Jabba's palace in Star Wars. Yeah yeah, 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 that's, Dude, that's exactly what I think
1: <laughs> of when I see them
2: And it's kind of cool too that you get two versions of her costume. You have her uh, maybe real, maybe not real pudding bat smash. Version. Yeah,
1: yeah, the more and, modern and, version.
2: And, yeah, the end of the story one too. So you get two different designs on there. That's true. Also, uh, Big Pro, I wanna say that having Joker get access to
0: her file and then use like her own dreams or desires to manipulate to manipulate her is a masterstroke. because if this didn't have that element, if it was just like everything was face value and true and she fell in love with him. Yeah then she becomes even less redeemable. if she's just like, this guy is just great. I just love him. There You're has right. to be the element of him really taking advantage of her and manipulating her. Otherwise I never feel any real empathy for her. If that's not there.
1: Yeah. I think that's the key to this whole thing is that we are watching all the little cracks in her armor all- along the way. And, that coupled with, like, the timing of that, of him getting that file, right when she finally starts to really have these conflicting thoughts is just really what unlocks this whole fucking thing.
2: I liked that a lot, too. I also didn't see that coming. Like Ben said, that wouldn't have been my favorite version of that, but when I saw the file stuff early on, I thought that that might have something more to do with, like... um,
0: Some crime he was
2: planning or something. Yeah, and I didn't know how much the story itself was going to cover like in this in the next couple books is it going to go so far for her to like fully become Harley is this going to have like Harley origin origin or are they going to go on their first caper together like how far of oh, their story yeah. was it going to tell and so I thought like maybe that file pertains to something that they'll go and do together after Arkham or something I didn't think that it had anything to do with her and I was surprised and I really liked it and played right into Joker being Joker and just nonstop manipulator.
1: Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is like, okay, where is the end of the story? How much do we want to tell? That's something that I love about this aside from maybe two face or something. There's not really anything else that's like superhero stuff. You know, this is all very real life trauma and that is what appeals to me most about this. And that that's why these type of stories of like, okay, this is the real shit though, you know?
0: Well, and I think because of that, this is a really excellent year one yeah. for this character. Like this is a nice way to think about her background and what made her, anytime you're interacting with this character in the future, I'll think of this. Yeah. Instead of it just being like, she was a little nuts and he took advantage of her and now she's like really nuts. Like an actual, this is an interesting, complex origin story.
1: Yeah, and again, I almost wish we had done this prior to White Knight Harley because it's at once very true to her actual traditional origins with Mad Love, but it's it's just so much deeper into that versus that being, this yeah. is just some new wacky shit that we thought of, you know, like that's mm-hmm. way, way different. Cool
2: to me too to have a story that's more psychological and delves into the psyche of these characters more, but from a psychologist's perspective, Mm -hmm. the kind of thoughts that one might have or that another psychologist might have, like simultaneously you're getting her stuff, but then like professional psychological stuff versus just a narrator being some really smart narrator character and saying some smart things about the human condition to me, I liked that it was coming from her and her observations in her in her first person perspective.
1: yeah, and a lot of that gives us just these little mile markers into her deteriorating state of mind too, mm-hmm. as she's finding these parallels, and which side of the line am I on right now, you know one
2: thing that I thought was really interesting by the time I got to the end of this was like how many ways in which I ended up being kind of caught off guard by this title. And it, you know, wasn't what I thought. And it had me feeling like very thoughtful in general. And and I know I'm focusing like too much on it, but the romance novel aspect had me thinking about men and women and relationships and uh, the difference between us. By the time you get to the end, it was really that scene with Bruce and Alfred in a cave that really kind of got me like backwards thinking in this train of thought. But it got me thinking a lot about like human contradictions, specifically in this case, the way that we could be so smart and so stupid simultaneously. (laughs) And how is Harley who she is? And then how does she end up in this scenario? How could you be that intelligent and then find yourself in the place that you found yourself? and again bruce being like a really intelligent character i wrote bruce feels guilt for having steered harley in this direction you know he's taking that on himself alfred says she made her own decisions and bruce says no here's your voice of reason here's awesome (laughs) alfred being awesome and bruce goes no like like he wants to feel guilty you know no i cannot physically incapable of believing that you might be right, Alfred, you sensible old man.
1: Well, I think that guilt and blame is is a really hard thing to get around. You can look at it logically and understand those things, but it doesn't necessarily take away that feeling. So uh, to me, that's just him going like, I don't want to be talked out of this. I just, I need to get through this, you know?
2: I know, but then that makes me think of like how much of, if batman's entire character is defined or we as people our current existence how much is it of it is defined by things that we've gone through in life prior to now like how much of that are we choosing to inform our current character like if we're that aware of it are we even trying to move forward from stuff are we trying to escape things are we trying to be better and different or are we let's see alfred being smart again Given your history, it makes sense you would see it like that. Then I wrote, more smart people choosing... Choosing unsmart (laughs) outcomes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I wrote, how often do we do that? Make choices that keep us where we are. For what reason? Comfort? Fear of change? And you're pitching to me that these are like incredibly smart characters, and I want to believe that we could elevate to a level that is less victim to these things.
0: That's very polygamy of you, and you're naive for thinking that. (laughs) Um, but I mean if you think about like guilt is a fundamental human animal emotion yeah yeah, that's like what makes us work well in groups that you do something wrong that you either were conditioned to think is wrong or that you just like inbuilt think is wrong you feel bad about it so that you won't do it It makes the group work better it makes it just makes us work better together but then so if you think all the things like language and rationalization and culture and all that are built on top of it that's why Batman can't ever get away from it because the feeling of guilt built into him so early that it doesn't matter how smart he is and how capable he is, that's just who he is. All that other stuff is on top of the guilt that makes him. I feel bad. That's my thing.
1: I feel bad. Well, I also think that one of my favorite things about this version of the character is that too many writers see her silliness and play it as dumb. She has never been dumb. And this almost removes the silliness because it's kind of before she fucking gets Mm -hmm. all laffy-taffy, so to speak. She is still so true to the character that it just brings a, a respect for the human being. The fact that it is her without all that shit and that they never undercut how smart and perceptive she is. It's just all of these circumstances and all of these traumas and the way she's isolated herself that have led her down this path and kind of not seeing those warning signs. I I find it very human.
0: It's not just the bad things that happened to her that made it that way. It's choices she made based on her desire, which her desires are formed by those traumas, but that Mm -hmm. she wanted him and she didn't want to be meek and she wanted to be powerful. Again, her empathy being the, the thing that, Sends her down the wrong path in this story and causes her problem. But like her being silly and goofy is her back costume. That is the character she built up to not have to deal with any of the guilt and any of the other stuff she had so that she could be
1: powerful and all that other shit that she wants. I've never really thought of it that way, but if you look at that persona as sort of her defense mechanism after this psychological break, I could totally see that.
2: It's interesting, too. When you get to the very end, like in the last page, she's even talking about, you still get this idea that she's like cognizant. She's like, maybe it won't always be like this. And maybe she's just tricking herself, but maybe she's being kind of sober in her thought. But she seems like, maybe I won't always have to be Harley. Maybe he won't be this guy, but I'll hang out with him until that day comes.
1: Yeah, I think it's worded in a way that's like, there's still a small lucid part of me that's Mm -hmm. watching all this shit happen and trying to get control again but yeah it makes it very compelling for my prose just circling back here i just wrote that it's created more depth for this character than i've ever seen before and making me root for her and identify with her and, and really empathize with her in ways that i never had coupled again with some of the just beautiful expressive faces that we talked about those two things together are, are such powerful storytelling. I mean, I like I said. I mean, I kind of it's like I'm reading this. Like I kind of have a crush on this character. You know, I'm really that invested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben probably read the digital, but the premium format. I mean, this extra large artwork is just fantastic and really really sells it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ooh, I got one last thing. Yeah,
2: stylistically the way that Zaz is drawn is really cool <laughs> to me. He's got all his typical cuts and stuff. Yeah, he's but gnarly. everything is actually symmetrical on mm-hmm. his face. I first noticed the lines across his forehead, but then I noticed that everything about his face, the, all the cuts mirror each other.
0: A real flair for the aesthetic.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I liked symmetry. <laughs> I like lines. What do we have for cons?
0: I have a more, like, intrinsic. And again, some of this is that I'm, I think I'm not the target demographic for it. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's that's not just a knock on me, because I do think any story about
1: anything could be amazing. It could be the best thing ever, regardless of who the, the I know is. you just gotta rationalize your horrible thing you're about to say. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> fucking. No,
2: the, Did you go to the school of
0: Evan Va- prefacing? I could have used more, and by more I just mean some. I could have used some establishment of what makes her the way she is so that she would be susceptible to him in this way. And that's mm-hmm. why I say me not being the target audience, maybe because, like when we read stories or watch comics about like a guy getting super buff and beating the shit out of bad guys, we don't need like a setup. Cause for us, something fundamental about that is cool because we wish we were powerful or we wish we were that powerful or that righteous or whatever. And so I don't have the thing that makes me immediately relate to her in this situation, but you can give that to me. If you give me a little more setup as to...
1: What do you mean? This book is only set up what? Well,
0: we're set up for this, but I mean, for what we're seeing here, there's no setup for it. There's a little bit of her classmates being mean. We get one shot of her thinking all the things she wants to be, but like, what draws her to a shitty manipulator? And either there's something fundamental about me that I, I just don't relate to it, so I need more, or the story didn't give me enough to say like, why is she into that? Why does that work on her so well?
2: I think you have to kind of buy into the like fantasy curiosity subject. And that's why I think that this is kind of like aimed towards females. I think on the ridiculous other end, you could be like, why was Joker seduced by her? And if this was meant for guys, she would just like flash her tits. And you'd be like, oh, I totally <laughs> get this story. That, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> but, in my head. I thought pornography. Because yeah. pornography is like the most empty. Yeah, thing, yeah. But, so like, yeah. if you're at the beginning, it doesn't matter. I think this is like an inherent man woman thing. And it made me want to ask Sam, has Ange read this?
1: No, I've been trying to get her to read it. She's read like 65 books this year. I'm like, can I get you to squeeze one in here? Like, I think you'd like this.
2: I was bummed because I told Amber my thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have just had her read it and then give me her take on it. Like, just, okay, one, just give me a number. How much do you like this and not be surprised if she was like, best Batman thing I've ever read? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But not for the reasons that one, I think her reasons would be female reasons. The reason that all these other books that she reads appeal to her, the same thing. Well, yeah. I mean, there's and, definitely
1: a bit of the like kind of forbidden romance sort of thing going on here and sort of the power stuff that you guys talked about. But I don't know. I don't get you not getting it, Ben, because I feel like they've given me. us a trail of breadcrumbs every step of the way before she ever began to feel that way about him because again she starts out repulsed and afraid of this person and does a full 180 by the end of it so i don't i don't know
0: i'm trying to drum up a rationalize away why i don't like this as much as i think i should because for whatever reason it didn't move me all that much Maybe it's just because it's a, it, it didn't bring anything new to the woman is drawn to the bad boy story or something.
1: How did it Which not should, bring anything? This is like, there's nothing this deep on their relationship anyway. No,
0: but this is a very old story of woman drawn to bad boy stories. That's not a new thing by any means. But what should have been in my prose is that one panel we got that was the precursor to their sex scene that we don't see. Was awesome. It was the fucking coolest thing in the world.
1: What are you talking about? Her doing her makeup in the mirror?
0: No, it's like them just robing, and then the next scene is is just her like scratching his back. she's in like the skirt and bra. Yeah, and she's like lying reclined on the table.
1: So you just want if the sex scene was shown, <laughs> then maybe I would have been bought in a little more. Five stars oh, hey, for the hey, sex hey, scene. Uh,
0: serious that question. Stuff
2: is awesome. That stuff is really well realized. In, this <laughs> in regards to Mr. J, does the carpet match the drapes? See, a question that could have been answered with more gratuitous sex.
1: Well, skim back through it and see if it shows his armpit hair. I think that'll answer your question. It
2: it does, and his armpit hair is green, I noticed. Well, then there you go.
1: I'm going to drop a couple cons here. Mine are very, very small. DC's intermittent censorship. As a language person, I find it very irritating that in the same book, they will censor lines like Who'd you have to fuck to get that grant? And then pages later, we'll say, What the fuck? or something like that. And I get that they have, are used Projects. in different ways, but this is fucking black label, and that shit pisses me off. It's like if it's someone strange. makes a fucking t shirt or a bumper sticker that's like F star pound symbol K, you know, Ben Polanski, I'm like, Well, you already offended the man. <laughs> You're, you're saying it. You me more. Just, by just not fucking say it. Out. So anyway, that shit drives me crazy. And again, the other thing is just a tiny little word thing. I have never seen anyone else feel the need to phonetically spell out Mr. J. J-A-Y. Mm. And that's just a thing that... For whatever reason, as a writer, gets under my skin.
0: It's like trying to be like, this is more real. That's how it started.
1: I mean, when we are in school, there was Sam W. and Sam B. Okay? We didn't spell it Sam B-E-E. Like, it's a letter B.
2: Doesn't he say something about his name being J in one of the backstories that he tells?
1: They say it a lot of times throughout the whole thing in different contexts, and it's always spelled out that way, and I don't get it.
2: Well, that's what I'm saying, if
1: your name was actually J, because that's actually a name. And it was Batman. I mean, yeah. fucking... Batman. Batman. J, BJ, TJ. I mean, people use letters for names. And his has always been that one way. So. See, this
0: is the opposite, because Sam is so in love with this book. He's, just, like, grasping for cons. He's
2: like, still <laughs> hey, ah. the word J instead no, of
1: G with No, the we're spending too much time on it, but <laughs> those are the only things that I have.
2: It's funny, too, later on, you've got croc-biting people like apples. And that's that's totally kosher. It's so funny that culturally or whatever that we decide is like things that are allowable and things that are not allowable, somehow this incredibly violent image is totally fine. But these letters, this configuration of letters is bad. And God forbid
1: they draw (laughs) Batman sticks. Those words.
2: Mm. Mm. I mean, in my mind, probably the least of their concerns. That's what I don't understand. My cons are the typos. I don't super understand that. I would think that you have at least one editor, at least one person read this at least one time. And it's not a book, I caught... It does take too
1: long to read. I didn't think there nope. was a lot.
2: Um, I counted six. Six. Uh, well, and I think the most obvious one, Harley goes to the police station to talk to Gordon. Yeah. Most obvious because it's a big sign above the building. It doesn't say... Precinct, it's spelled wrong, and the letters are like twice as big as every other letter.
1: That's funny. 22,
2: present. How is it spelled? How is it supposed to be spelled? It would have another C. It's pre
1: C I N T. -T. Yep. Not present.
2: Um, Present. Yep. So that's inexcusable in my mind.
1: (laughs) 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 Um, Hey, the dude's from Croatia. Cut him a break, man.
2: I know, but but everybody else is. But everybody else is. It's not. Yeah, it's not printed in Croatian or whatever language a person from Croatia speaks.
1: I'm just saying, he's, you know, he's got all those letters above his name and shit, like, or all those little marks above the letters, you know, like... An umlaut? It's a very good English story.
2: <laughs> I know, I'm just... But somebody else, it ended up in English. People looked at this. Uh, however, somebody with why, English as their mean? native language was responsible for making sure <laughs> those things didn't come through. Yeah, is that my professional calling? Am I just... Eh? Made to read things by other people and pick apart their stuff? <laughs> Reading this in a really distracting way just it just made me think about things and I was distracted by stuff regarding culture and the differences between men and women. And That's good. It, it's, the story it, brought that out of you. Yeah, it should be yeah, thought-provoking. It's, I'm, I'm glad that I thought of this stuff, but I, I couldn't deny the, like, it's not just a love story. Again, it's so far in the other direction that... I couldn't help but think that it wasn't, like, meant for me at all, other than the fact that it had (laughs) cool art and it was a Batman story.
1: Oh, you guys.
2: I mean, I'm grappling with the same thing. Yeah, everything about this is a romance novel. Joker is pretty, the healing damaged bad boy, the no-shirt nipples, the padded room restraint, the dominance, the tension, the fantasies, the doctor subject roleplay, the danger element, forbidden love, we shouldn't be doing this, her voice in particular. I surrender myself into his arms. A pleasant mist enveloped my mind as I sank into his kiss. Like, that well, does not sound like a thing that I would write. Well, that sounds like a thing I would not write, but I would be into. And so I was thinking, like,
0: well, what if instead of it being this, if it was Batman being seduced by Catwoman? <laughs> was like, but that one
1: superficial change, we it be like, how I mean, much I'm have not, we seen that? She's not like a psycho murderer, but the same idea of her
0: bringing like the badness out of him or like breaking the rules or bending it or that kind of stuff.
1: All right, fuck you guys. Rating.
0: It's a three and a half. That's what I've been building up fuck. to. Fuck. I ain't no professional critic. I'm not telling you what you should be buying. God, every <laughs>
1: time. Every time. Stop.
0: <laughs> three and a half to me, more good than bad. But
1: so this is just any, like, this is just barely above average for you.
0: No, that's because most things are like one. If, you're, if I'm looking at the scope of all things. No, but what, things what's
1: the middle? What's the Three is the middle.
0: Three is it's equally as bad as it is good.
1: Yeah. Make. So it's barely so three
0: and a half means it's more good than it is bad, more pleasant than unpleasant. Man, but not by a whole lot. I was bored. bored.
1: If you were to separate it, what do you rate the art and uh, the, the story? Okay, the art's an easy five, right? And then the story to you is
2: it's like a two or one, one and a half. Maybe. Oh God! I don't like these characters all that much.
1: <laughs> all right, Ev.
2: I was going to give it a three, but Ben's little. Um tip the scale half point also kind of makes sense to me so maybe three and a half is nice
1: really jesus christ
2: we're not all
0: tortured ladies like you
2: Sam. we don't connect with the Uh, uh, wounded wolf who's going to turn on you once you heal him the story didn't stir my loins in the way that i think it was (laughs) intended to it stirred my heart heart my loins and i was cool with that
1: okay well this is an easy five out of five to me this is pretty much a tie with Dark Prince Charming for me as my favorite book that I own. Of all books? Yes. Anything DC that we've ever talked about, this is as good as it gets for me. That's a big praise. The artwork, the psychology, the, not only the story beats of how everything perfectly lines up, but just her, her descent, understanding it, relating to it and really kind of cringing when she makes those bad moves. And, you know rooting for her to pull this thing off you know in, in the early chapters too it just yeah i really care about this character i feel a lot for her and this book cemented my love for this character so like if i post way too much harley shit <laughs> a lot of it is because i have such a deep reverence for this and this this made me really is it because
0: you're the joker and she's her fantasy on profile? a deeper level no is that part of
1: it no no not for this how book how much of it is that not for this book at all i mean <laughs> look do I ask my wife to dress up like Margot Robbie? Yes. Does she do it? No. But <laughs> <laughs> that is not why I like the story.
0: I don't know. I kind of feel like that would make you like the story more because you can't get what you want in real life. So <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Put this on. <laughs> say pudding.
1: <laughs> no, she's, like, a she's like, what, you want me to fucking say? I'm like, no, do not say that. No one should say that.
2: <laughs> pudding.
1: With the hard G, yes. It really, to me, this gave me an an emotional connection to this character that I never had before.
0: Well, when you asked me to split my ratings for the art and the story, I'm like, I feel bad saying it's a two, and not bad because I don't really give a shit
2: what this person thinks about what I think of their stuff. They don't care what I think. They'll never hear it. I feel bad in the sense (laughs) it is well
0: put together, but something about the way it was constructed, story wise, didn't get anything from me. Yeah, and so I can't say that it's like great for that reason. And some of that again is me. Like if I wasn't in the mood for it or something, but a really great thing would pull me out of the mood and draw me into its world and I would be caught up in it and I just was.
1: So as a follow up to that, can I ask a last question? Then we just talked about White Knight Harley. You guys prefer that to this?
0: ever so slightly, I gave them the same ratings just because that has more action. But I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I was not really drawn into that world in a way that made me care about what was happening.
1: Well, because, I mean, that one, she is just a surrogate Batman. You know, it's a detective story and goes through all the familiar stuff. So I'm just wondering if maybe just the format of, of this, again, from first page, talking about, like, sounds like maybe... A romance story, but it's... No, because I
0: I like romance stories. I'm not like... I don't buy them and read them, but a good one is just as valid as like a story form as an action story or a detective story or war or something like that. I
1: I just binged that HBO show, Newsroom, the Aaron Sorkin show with Jeff Daniels. I was absolutely blown away and the social commentary is just fucking genius and I was so impressed by it and that's what I went to it for. Mm. but by the end of the first season I'm like on the edge of my seat over this fucking Ross and Rachel love triangle tease I'm like just fucking get together you fuck and so that stuff is really effective on me even when it's not the point of the story so maybe this
0: just well I think flip it the other way because I said when we're talking about when Evan specifically is being sexist and saying that this is
1: for women they're they're tiny lady brains
0: yeah they (laughs) mean but again, using pornography as the counter-example of being like, it doesn't need to do the legwork because whatever, like, the core of it already assumes that it's directed exactly at you. So that's what I feel about, like, that's kind of like what romance novels, when that term is thrown, not necessarily negative, but, like, as more of a pulpy kind of thing. It's, yeah. like, it's a shallow kind of fantasy gauged at a very specific person's fantasies versus like a broader story that has sex and romance, but that is so well crafted to be interesting to everyone.
1: Well, all I'm going to say before we wrap up here is that I think Evan, you should loan those books to Amber, and then I will just redo this episode with her, and we'll have a great and time.
2: Just, maybe you can moderate the two. Of them yeah, yeah, year. that'd be
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> this is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bad Fanatic Podcast with Sammy Warman.
1: Alright, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening to another lengthy discussion today. I had a good time with it, even though I couldn't quite get those guys on board the same way that I was, but that's alright. We've got plenty more content on the way. If you want to support the show, like I said, click the little link in our Instagram bio at batfanaddict or go to patreon.com slash batfanaddict and if you want to support the show in a really easy and free way, just take a screenshot, post that to your stories and let people know that we are out here really appreciate all of you guys messages reviews comments it really means the world to us uh i was just looking and we are up to 42 countries around the world listening to the show so thank you guys so much we're going to come back with a double review parts one and two the animated long halloween